the alternative stories and fake realities podcast audio drama poetry fiction you're listening to the alternative stories and fake realities podcast snowed in an audio drama by karis mcroberts and signa mana with karis mcroberts amy forrest louis watson jackie jorgensen and Faye Heald. It's been a year, a hell of a year, almost relentlessly awful. Well, maybe not quite relentless. A golden spring in lockdown. The roads and skies almost entirely silent. Some of us spent more time outdoors than we had in years, settling into the gentle rhythms of working from home. But for others, it was a nightmare of claustrophobic solitude. Not so much working from home as living at work. On the other hand, some of us discovered that we could work just as well from home. Didn't need to travel. Without all those emissions, the planet was able to breathe again for a few short weeks. But as winter takes hold, a second lockdown, a second wave, a Christmas like no other and not really in a good way. The thought of travelling to be with families has sustained us. We've packed off the students to their homes, settled into our last week or so of marking, planning and catching up on all those writing projects that took a back seat as we had to double up on our teaching for face-to-face and online versions of the same classes. But our trains and flights are booked, arrangements made, presents bought, and tomorrow we head home. These last couple of days have been great. The few of us who live on site in the college accommodation have had the place to ourselves. We've risen to the challenge with baking and mulled wine, decorated the offices, and worn ridiculous Christmas jumpers. It's got a lovely end-of-term feeling to it. Moods high in spite of everything. And then... Oh, my God. Did you just get this? God, I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah, Olivia, I got it. And Jimmy, too. You can probably guess what it is, NHS Track and Trace. The dreaded text. The one that tells you you need to self-isolate for ten days. And so, there it goes. There goes Christmas. Or the one we've been clinging to, at least. The thought that had, well, kept us going these last few weeks. What are we going to do? Oh God, Beth, she's due to be flying back to the States tomorrow. I better just go and check on her, she'll be so... Mom, Dad, I've got some really bad news. I'm not going to be coming home. I have to self-isolate. Ten days. Here in England, we have this cell phone app, and... No, I'm sure I'll get the money back for the flights, but... That's not what I'm upset about. I've missed you so much. 
didn't get to come back in the summer, and just when I thought maybe I'd get to see you again. This. Listen, I'll call you back. Yeah, just give me a... <clears throat> give me a few moments. Oh, Golbeth, I'm so sorry. I know how much you were looking forward to... You too, though. You were due to be going back to Northern Ireland, weren't you? Yes, I was, but I've seen my folks more recently than you've seen yours. Listen, we'll do something here. We're all in the same boat, all stuck here together after all. Let's organise something. Something socially distanced, of course, but we'll have to do something to make things a bit less dismal. Everyone okay? So, snowed in for Christmas, eh? Snowed in? Poetic licence? Same difference. Nicer than saying self-bloody isolating. What are we going to do? We have to do something. Misery party? Room for another one? <laughs> sure, pull up a stool. Hey, look. We're going to have to make some plans. Right now, you lot are my company for Christmas, so... I hope you've got some jokes and decent stories because I'm going to need a bit of picking up. Likewise, I'm going to be missing Hogmanay. Oh, you have no idea what that means. Oh yeah, well, I'm missing the traditional O'Farrell family Christmas. More food than you can eat and half the time round for Boxing Day. Okay, let's use the power of misery to cook up something better. And let's especially make sure we look after this one. Me? Oh, I'll be okay. We'll make sure you are. So, what's the plan then? And so we hatched a plan. Beth and Olivia cooked as we drank and reminisced, sharing stories of our families, culture, Christmas traditions and our favourite things about the season. Jamie, of course, volunteered to go first. Ach, Hogmanay. I could tell you about the firing of the cannon at Edinburgh Castle when the clock strikes midnight, or the fireworks that light up the whole city. But you've probably seen that already. If not in real life, then maybe on television? They once burned a Viking longship. The whole river appeared to be on fire. Everyone was chanting, Up hell yeah! Up hell yeah! Apelia, or the Norseman's home. Well, my grandfather, he couldn't stop joking about Shetland. They finally plucked up their courage to invade Edinburgh, he said, and are welcome to stay. <laughs> That's what Hogmanay means to me. My grandfather, he attends church every Sunday, but during those three days of Hogmanay, he turns into a real pagan. Every year he discovers an old tradition that is in desperate need of revival. And every year there's a new place that he would like to visit. Two years ago, we went to see the fireball swinging in Stonehaven. And the year before that, there was some torchlight procession somewhere that he simply had to go to. But last year was unlike anything we'd ever done before. I called him and asked him where I should book our train tickets to. And he said, nowhere. He wanted to stay home. Home? I thought he must be sick. I went to his place and asked if I should get the doctor or something. See you on the 1st of January, he said. 
It wouldn't even open the door, which didn't put my mind at ease. So, I went to Akele on New Year's Eve. I'm not much of a dancer, but there's something magical about folk music. It transports you to a different place, different time. It's also about us. It's about our people. And you can feel the history and sense your ancestors dancing to the same tune decades before. There was booze, too, of course. And old friends I'd known since school. No matter where you've been in the world, home is always home. Oh, no offence, everyone. None taken, Jamie. Go on, carry on with your story. I'm dying to know what your grandad was planning. Right, right. <clears throat> so, on New Year's morning, I went to my grandfather's. I was early. Way too early. We're seeing the household and livestock this year, he said as I hung my scarf on the coat rack. What? You don't have any livestock, and your household is a one-bedroom apartment in Leith. <laughs> That's when he showed me a goat and two cows that he'd made from straw and adorned with red ribbons. He gave me a cup of muddy grey water and told me to drink it. Right. <clears throat> it's perfectly safe, he said. It's water from the dead and loving ford. It has been crossed by those who are still alive and by those who have left this world. I took a sip. He took the cup from me and sprinkled water in every room, including on the precious livestock. Then he got some branches from a juniper tree and told me to set them on fire. He walked around the house, vanquishing evil spirits by filling every room with smoke until we coughed. That done, he opened the windows to let in the clean, fresh air from the new year. Gave me a glass of Isla whiskey. It was that moment. Sitting in bizarre wicker chairs which he had made himself while the cold air made us shiver. Each sip of whiskey caused that comforting, burning sensation in the back of your throat while he told me stories about his parents. How they used to sit in the household on the farm he grew up on in the Highlands. Now it's it's time to say how special that moment was, but words cannot do it justice. I can't help wondering what he would have planned this year. He poured us all a shot of whiskey and we drank a toast to Jamie's grandfather. Olivia spoke next. She couldn't believe she wouldn't be spending Christmas with her mother and sister this year. So you know that my mother raised me and my sister on her own. But um, there's something that you don't know um, that I didn't know either. So we used to be really angry with her when we were told that we had to spend another night at my auntie's house because she was busy working and there was no one to look after us at home. But like now I realise that she worked all of those extra shifts just to ensure that we had a tree to decorate and something to unwrap on Christmas morning. The one thing that we always did during the Christmas period was 
We'd sing Christmas carols in the streets of York. Oh, and the old town, oh, it was beautiful and all lit up with Christmas lights and crowded with people for late night shopping. But the most memorable part of Christmas for me was always Twelfth Night. So the 5th of January, just as everyone else was getting depressed because Christmas was over. <laughs> Twelfth Night is the night for wassailing. Wording? Wassailing? I've always heard about it, but was never quite sure what it actually was. Well, well tell us, Liv. Wassailing? Um, well, I suppose it's both a, a drink and an activity. So you can make and drink wassail. It's a, a sort of punch, a bit like mulled wine, but usually made with apple cider. But wassailing is something that you do. So let me explain. So I'll start off by saying that my auntie was absolutely against it. Me and my sister often joked that she'd arrived in this world by time machine from the 15th century. <laughs> she always insisted that ruffians and plunderers went wassailing, that it was all pretend and that we didn't really mean what we were singing as we went around town receiving gifts of food and drink from all the houses we stopped at. <laughs> um, <clears throat> For it's Christmas time when we travel far and near. May God bless you and send you a happy new year. <laughs> um, there's lots of different wassailing songs, of course, like this one, sung by Faye Heald. Sweet master of our habitation. Oh, what an amazing tune. I think this one may be from Cornwall originally, but... I remember singing it in York a few years ago. Sweet master of this habitation, where the mistress be so kind as to grant an invitation that we may this favour find. To be now invited in and with joy and mirth begin Happy, sweet and pleasant songs Which unto this time belong Let every loyal, honest soul Contribute to our sailboat so now may you enjoy the blessing of a loving, virtuous wife. Riches on her now possessing and a long and happy life. Living in prosperity, endless generosity, always be maintained, I pray. Don't forget the good old way, 
Let every loyal, honest soul contribute to our sailboat. That is beautiful. So apart from singing and begging for food and drink, what else did you get up to? Well, if we didn't get what we wanted, we'd supposedly rob the kitchen of any house that refused us or even start a riot. I don't remember any rioting or robbing going on, but traditionally, that's what's supposed to happen. You don't strike me as a rioter, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) My sister and I counted the days until Mother had taken us wassailing. Last year, we had some money to spare and and could afford a little trip to Somerset. Instead of going from door to door with a wassail ball like we usually do, we went to an apple orchard and there was this rhyme... Oh, if only I could remember it. Anyway, the purpose is to sing to the trees, to awaken them after the long winter and admire them so they can flourish. And it's believed that the song will frighten evil spirits away and ensure that the fruit harvest in autumn will be a good one. So anyway, we wore ivy leaves in our hair and Mother was picked from a crowd to be the wassail queen. Everyone watched as she placed a piece of toast that had been dipped into cider in the boughs of an apple tree. Oh, hang on. Um, I just remember the rhyme. Uh, Here's to thee, old apple tree, whence thou mayest bud and whence thou mayest blow and whence thou mayest bear apples anow. Hats full, caps full, bushel, bushel, sacks full, and my pockets full too. Huzzah! (laughs) (laughs) People were standing close to each other and, like, singing their hearts out to the trees and and those trees, like, seemed to connect to us. And we vowed, you know, we said that we'd return next year. Um, But I suppose, you know, that this is, like, next year, so... I guess I'm breaking the promise. So when we got home, we made a wassail bowl together as if we didn't have like enough hot cider already. (laughs) Truth is, there is no greater joy than the smell of apples and cinnamon and oranges and hot cider filling the room on a cold January day. Thinking back on it, it really makes me long for that kind of closeness. You know, the kind of closeness that we've all really missed because of COVID. I wanted to hug her in that moment. I wanted that closeness too, to sing alongside her to the trees. Jamie, over another glass of whiskey, offered to serenade us all, which was quickly shut down by Olivia, thank God. And just as he was about to insist, Beth emerged from the kitchen with a tray of freshly baked cookies. Hey everyone, ginger cookies. This recipe is handed down from my gran, to my mom, and then to me. It's an old family recipe only used for the holidays. It's been in the family for generations. The secret ingredient? Cinnamon. 
but it can't overpower the cookie. We make them every year. And this year's no exception. It's tradition. Reminds me of home. My gran always said that the tradition dates back to our pioneer days. My family was one of the first to move out west. For them, the holidays wouldn't have been lavish and commercialized as they are here in the U.S. today or here in Britain. No elf on the shelf in the Old West. It was a simpler time. They were a modest people. Not all cowboys and shootouts like in the movies. She had done some research into the family, and Gran would tell us every year about our history as she baked cookies. Back then, we were only allowed to watch. For my ancestors, the holidays would have been a humble affair. On Christmas Day, they attended church, offered prayers and thanks, sang carols, exchanged homemade gifts for one another, carved wooden dolls, embroidered handkerchiefs, knitted scarves or mittens that they had been working on for months in the run-up to Christmas. From what we know, my family certainly wasn't rich, but if they'd had a good year, the children might have found candy and fruit from Santa in their stockings. Nowadays, if kids don't get the latest iPad or whatever, they go crying to mommy. Back then, just a peel from an orange to Santa drawer or even a small piece of candy was a treasured gift. Don't even ask me how they knew about Santa. My guess is that English and German holiday traditions were carried westward by settlers and soldiers. It is strange to think of Santa delivering gifts in a wagon instead of a sleigh. (laughs) I think Gran always told us about our heritage to humble us a bit, encourage us to craft and make gifts as mom spoiled us rotten with stacks of presents. (laughs) But for my family, Christmas has always been about the food. That's the way it always has been out west. The holidays are a time of feasting. I mean, of course they are. Food is the best part of Christmas. You Brits don't know how it's done. The pioneer women would have begun to bake weeks in advance to feed everyone. My mom still does. I used to just about get a lick of the cake spoon before she shooed us out of the kitchen. Oh, and she always leaves the plum pudding to age in the pot until Christmas dinner, another of Old Gran's famous family recipes. Although her vinegar cobbler is disgusting. That's one tradition I will not be carrying on. Mm, That sounds interesting. Yeah, an acquired taste that I have not yet managed to acquire. (laughs) One tradition I will be keeping, though, is decorating my home with natural materials like my ancestors did. No tinsel or electronic singing Santa Claus for me. But instead, simple pine cones, holly, nuts, and berries shall deck my halls. We still have some handmade decorations passed down from generation to generation. And mom puts them up along with the pine cones and holly every year as a little nod to our heritage. It keeps Gran happy. I was thinking maybe we could do the same this year. Just a pine cone or two. Own our British pioneer Christmas. Why not? We could go look for some. Uh, when we're allowed out. Self-isolation, mind. (laughs) (laughs) I do miss the Christmas tree. Over here, you guys use a lot of artificial trees. I'm sorry, it's just not the same as a real fir tree. When I was small, going to choose our tree, fighting with my brothers and sisters over which was best, was one of the parts of the holidays I always looked forward to. I'd always choose the biggest, of course. Not always practical, but my dad could never say no to his little girl. I read that Christmas trees weren't really a thing in the West until the late 1800s. If there was a tree... 
It would have been decorated on Christmas Eve with bits of yarn or ribbon. Probably berries, too, and bits of popcorn. You probably think that's weird. (laughs) My guess is my ancestor's home would have been too small for a tree, and wood too scarce to waste on one. For many in the West, the holidays were a difficult time. Those people living on the prairies would have been barraged with terrible blizzards and savage winter winds. A white Christmas, perhaps, but not the type you'd wish or dream of. I'm just glad in 2020 we have central heating. We should count our blessings. You could have found many a mountain man, explorer, or cowboy spending a lonely evening without the benefit of food, family, or festivities back then. I mean, it was the Old West after all. We demolished the cookies and promised to decorate, to add a little pioneer flourish to our snowed-in Christmas, as Jamie kept referring to it as. I'm not sure if it was the time of year or because of the way the world was at the moment, but everyone had been so open, honest. These were some of my closest colleagues, friends, and I was listening and learning things about them that I never even knew. So I downed the rest of my whiskey and decided it was my turn to open up. Tell them a little something about me and my family's unusual traditions. my Christmas wasn't the most conventional. In my household, we had some, well, odd traditions. I mean, I know you guys wouldn't think of, but I actually come from quite a religious Christian background. So for my dad's side of the family, Jesus's birthday is a pretty big deal. (laughs) It was church every Sunday, rain or shine. Mum's side aren't really religious, though. More spiritual. That's where the old stuff comes in, much to my cousin Cara's dismay. Cara nearly stopped speaking to us when we decided not to attend church service on Christmas Day anymore. I think I was around 11. I remember her whispering in the pews the following Sunday that it was because of the witch's spawn. That's her nickname for my (laughs) mum. See, the women in my family aren't the tree-decorating, bacon, gingerbread men at Christmas type. My mum's mum was a free spirit. Always going on about things like auras and energies, horoscopes, harmless stuff really. She claimed us Celts should have other ideas about Christmas or Yule, whatever you want to call it. Not stables or Norse stars. Instead, mutterings of the horned god were rife when I was little. Christmas Day was a bog-standard occasion though. Presents and good food. A baby Jesus in a manger sitting in the corner of the living room to keep Cara and her family happy. No rituals or other effigies. It was the lead up to the 25th that would put the fear of God into me and, of course, Cara. Not whether we'd be on Santa's naughty list that year. Midwinter or the winter solstice was also celebrated in our family. The continuous twilight. Longest night of the year when battle would commence and our pagan ancestry would come forth. Gran would wake up the women of the household at just before 3am. Witching hour. Drag us out of our beds and lead us to the woodland about a mile from our house. 
Goody Cara would have you believe was stripped naked and danced with the devil, drawing pentagrams and casting spells. Blasphemy. It's a load of pagan nonsense. She'd gossip the next morning over the breakfast table to anyone who'd give her the time of day. In reality, we were wrapped up cosily in our dressing gowns and boots, with a cup of cocoa in hand by a flickering log fire that would cast shadows that danced across Gran's face as she told her poetic tale of two brothers, kings, one of holly and one of oak. She'd lament of death and rebirth, light battling darkness and winter giving way to spring, her voice rising, the fog from her breath misting, shimmering in the black of night. I can't remember it word for word, but it went something like this. The wheel rotates, and then came darkness. Midsummer to you, the god of the waning year rules, reigning supreme, our half-horned holly king. In hibernation he waits, earth's elements stitching up his wounds, weaving wisdom into his hollow core, the god of the waxing year reborn. Sworn enemies, holly and oak, two sides of a single coin, half a turn of the wheel, and then he'll strike again, he'll strike again, he'll strike again. This night, the old king waits on a throne of prickled holly for his brother's return, ready for battle, yet ready for defeat. His life force, a sacrifice for the earth. The wheel rotates, and then comes light. Yule to midsummer, the god of the waxing year rules, reigning supreme, our half-horned oak king. The wheel rotates, darkness to light, light to darkness, death and rebirth, and so on and so forth. And so it is, and so shall be. Ever turning, the wheel comes full circle. And so, another year. Her poem would finish to the shivering, wide-eyed faces, and I swear the fire would blaze up, and the stars above shone brighter somehow, the wind wailing, whipping to the west. The elements in tune, conspirators in the telling of her tale, our half-horned Holly King defeated to begin readying himself for battle in midsummer. She passed last year, my gran. First Christmas without her, but not her tale. I'm glad you all got to hear it. It lives on in me and now in all of you. The wheel coming full circle and beginning to turn for another year. I like that. The wheel beginning to turn for another year. Me too. Feels like a chance for life to begin again. God. Cheers to that. For life to continue, you mean, not to begin. It never really stopped. I guess I wish for the pandemic to slow, a vaccine to work, and to be able to see our families again without the fear of making them ill. For us to be able to travel and move about freely. For us to all keep on the wild, wonderful wheel that is life. And cheers again. Absolutely. Well said, Beth. And so it is, and so shall be. 
Ever turning, the wheel will come full circle. And so, another year. Tough as it's been, I don't think any one of us will forget our snowed-in Christmas in a hurry. In Snowed In, you heard Karis McRoberts as Anya, Louis Watson as Jamie, Jackie Jorgensen as Beth, and Amy Forrest as Olivia. Snowed In was written by Karis McRoberts and Signa Mana, with additional dialogue by Chris Gregory. The cast advised on dialogue for each of their characters. Direction, sound design, soundscapes, and incidental music were by Chris Gregory. The presenter in this edition is me, Kelly Winkler. In the story, you heard an original recording of the wassailing song, Sweet Master, performed by Faye Heald. This was an exclusive recording for the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. Faye Heald is a Topic Records recording artist. Sweet Master of Our Habitation is a traditional Cornish wassailing tune. The version sung by Faye in this podcast was arranged by Lou Killen, and we'll post a link in our show notes so you can find out more about her. We'll also post the complete recording by Faye at the end of this podcast, so you can hear the wonderful tune and performance in full. The recording was made by Faye Heald. Karis McRoberts is a writer, poet, and actor originally from Northern Ireland. In 2020, Karis was named one of the BBC's new creatives, and she has subsequently appeared on BBC Radio and in film productions, as well as being part of a number of Alternative Stories podcasts. Louis Watson is an actor from Elgin in the Scottish Highlands. He has appeared in a number of Alternative Stories productions, including Sulky, also by Signamana, and most recently in Black Box by Kevin Manwaring. Amy Forrest is an actor who has worked with the National Theatre in London and had television roles in shows such as Coronation Street and Call the Midwife. Amy appeared in our acclaimed drama, Hairspell, playing a role written by Faye Heald, and in a number of other Alternative Stories productions during 2020. Signa Mana is a writer and folklorist from Belgium. Signa wrote our popular drama, Selkie, earlier in 2020 and contributed short fiction to our Through the Trees anthology. Jackie Jorgensen is an actor, writer, and podcaster originally from Canada, but now living in the United States. She has appeared in a number of Alternative Stories productions, including Out of Towners, which she also co-wrote, and Anglia. In 2020, Jackie launched her own audio drama podcast, Tales from the Ether, which we encourage listeners to check out. Faye Heald is a folk singer, academic, and folklorist who regular listeners will know as one of the writers of our acclaimed drama, Hairspell, which we released in September. If you've enjoyed Faye's performance in this edition, please find out more about her music, including her latest album, Rackline, which includes the songs Hairspell and When She Comes, which were featured in Hairspell. The album is released by Topic Records, Proper Music Distribution, and we'll post links so you can buy it in our show notes. This is the last Alternative Stories podcast of 2020. We'll be taking a short break until the end of January. We're looking forward to bringing you more audio drama, poetry, and audio fiction in 2021, when our writers, which include Tack Erzinger with her magical realist story, Stella's Constellation, and Lindsay Kroll and her audio drama, Daughter of Fire and Water. 
We'll be featuring a Cold War spy drama, Defection, by Annika Cordes. And we'll have poetry from Geraldine Clarkson and Gregory Ledbetter. Poetic monologue from Benegale Richards and Linda Cleary, and much more. Please subscribe to have all of this delivered to your podcast feed the moment it is released. And follow us on social media to get advance warning of all we're doing. We'll post links in our show notes. We'd like to thank everyone who has appeared on the podcast during 2020, whether as a writer, actor, poet, musician, or guest. We're grateful to everyone who has helped to share and promote the podcast, either by talking about us on social media, sharing us with your friends, or posting reviews. Most of all, we'd like to thank all of our loyal listeners around the world. It's always a pleasure to know you're out there listening and enjoying our output. Snowed In has been an Alternative Stories 2020 production for the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast, presented by me, Kelly Winkler. We wish all our listeners who celebrate it a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll see you all again soon. We're ending this podcast with a full version of Faye Heald's recording of Sweet Master of Our Habitation. Sweet Master of this habitation, where the mistress be so kind as to grant an invitation that we may this favor find. To be now invited in and with joy and mirth begin happy, sweet, and pleasant songs which unto this time belong. Let every loyal, honest soul contribute to our sailboat. So now may you enjoy the blessing of a loving, virtuous wife. Riches on her now possessing And a long and happy life Living in prosperity, endless generosity Always be maintained, I pray Don't forget the good old way let every loyal, honest soul contribute to our sailboat. Before the season is departed, in your presence we appear. Therefore then be noble-hearted And afford some dainty cheer Pray let us have it now What the season doth allow What the house may now afford Should be placed upon the board whether it be roast beef or fowl And liquor well a wassail bowl 
For now it is the season of leisure. Then to those who kindness show, may they have wealth and peace and pleasure, and a spring of bounty flow to enrich them while they live, that they may afford to give to maintain the good old way. Many a long and happy day Let every loyal, honest soul Contribute to the wassail bowl Therefore you are to be commended If in this you do not fail now our song is almost ended. Fill our bowl with nappy ale, and we'll drink a full carouse to the master of this house. I and to our mistress dear, wishing both a happy year. With peace and love, without control, who liquored well our wassail bowl. Let every loyal, honest soul contribute to our wassail bowl. The Alternative Stories and Fake Realities Podcast. Audio drama, poetry, fiction.